Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN and Privacy. I'm Simone de Rochefort, Senior Video Producer at Polygon, and I'm here with Christina Warren, Senior Cloud Advocate at Microsoft, and Brianna Wu, Executive Director of Rebellion Pack. How are we doing? We're doing fine. Um, I I wanted to once again return to the Simone Twitter. Um, I have questions. No, <laughs> <laughs> have you'll questions. never keep me down. <laughs> so uh, you had something to the effect you tweeted today, which was the effect of a note you left on um, on some video producing uh, some videos <laughs> you were producing. And I believe it was something to the effect of. Um, Sadly, we need to cover up the, and then I, it's a word I can't say on this podcast, maybe. Um, I'm just wondering <laughs> if you can tell me a little bit more about what what's going on there. Yes, I'm, I'm so happy to explain. So the word that uh, we are avoiding is one I think we can say, but I will say it is a, okay. a slang okay. term, uh, a casual slang term for breasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and... <laughs> Well, Bree, it's as simple as this. I have created a video in which there are breasts. <laughs> I have invented a new form of video. Wow, no, that's never happened on, really, on, on the internet I know. ever. Really excited about this new direction for Polygon. Me this is, too. This is good stuff. I can't wait till you see what we censor the breasts with. <laughs> I hope it's a Mario Kart show. That's my my hope. Oh wow, that's a really good good. idea. (laughs) That's really funny. Yeah, I guess. Hmm. I don't want to give away what the topic is. Actually, why not give away what the topic is? It might be coming out. I think it'll be coming out uh, on Thursday when this podcast comes out. So if you were to censor something, some breasts, some video game breasts, or video game related breasts. In a video that was kind of about France, the country of France, would you use the French flag or would you use some other type of censorship device? Let me know. I I don't think you should dishonor the French flag. You know, you've got to treat it with respect. (laughs) I mean, what about an Eiffel Tower? Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. I'm torn. You know, as it was coming out of my mouth, I was like, Maybe this is offensive to the French. Maybe they wouldn't want their flag to cover some some nipples. But then my second mm-hmm. thought was, isn't that what the French want most? I was going to say, the French, I mean, I've The seen French would not com- want me to censor the nipples. They would be offended no, they that there were no visible nipples. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, I have seen, like, water commercials in France at, like, 10 a.m. where women are just, like, naked <laughs> under... A, like a waterfall and it's like for sparkling water and i'm like cool like it's a beautiful I love the French, country honestly well listeners by the time you are hearing this you can probably go to polygon's youtube channel and see some censored breasts <laughs> it's educational well let's get into thank you brie for that wonderful appetizer <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's get into our show. We I have just saw it, and I'm like, I'm like, you know, we have versioning control for our videos. We produce it of rebellion, so I'm just imagining sitting through a meeting where we're like, okay, team, let's get through these notes and uh, get back to our mission objectives. Okay, Simone has a comment here at <laughs> 034 for version 1.4. Uh, Got to remove the blank, and I'm just, I'm just imagining that meeting at Polygon. I. I, I can't help it. Yeah. Same, honestly. Um, I, uh, I, I'm, and I'm thinking back about like all the editing notes and stuff I used to get. Some stuff that I still get where they're, they're like, you can't say this. And I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's YouTube's foul rules, not mine. Yep. Uh, wow. Speaking of places where you cannot have free speech, or can you? <laughs> Let's get to our first topic today. Yik Yak is back and if you don't think that's going to factor into the title of this episode my friends you are wrong Uh, wrong. after shutting down uh three years ago the hyper local anonymous bullying app yik yak is coming back 
So Yikyak launched uh, in 2013 as a social media app that showed you posts from a five-mile radius, uh, and all the users were anonymous. So this made it super popular on college campuses, both for S-posting and for bullying. It had its kind of heyday in 2014, um, and then as it kind of aged and got had this bad reputation, Yikak's original owners added handles for users so that they wouldn't be anonymous in an effort to stop mean things from happening. Which uh, ruined the entire point, I have to say. Yeah. Like, and honestly. In, in any case, after its hot year, it fell out of popularity, much like the majority of new social media apps. However, now, just like the MoviePass website... It has new owners and a new lease <laughs> on life, which includes stricter content moderation, among other things. If a post has negative five uh, votes, basically, or points, it will be uh, invisible, essentially. Uh, and there are just stricter rules around what content can be posted. So what is to come for the future of Yik Yak? Sound off. I mean, it's kind of a terrifying concept, right? Like, um, I, I have it installed on my phone right now. I can tell you it's like all the worst people on Twitter formed a social media network. <laughs> like, like you know where it goes, some replies below may be offensive. Are you sure you want to see them? That's all Yik Yak is. Um, oh, no. It's it's terrible because everything there is anonymous. So um, I'm in Oxford, Mississippi uh, today as we're recording this, and it's it's nothing but homophobia and racism <laughs> and sexism and just a lot of really pent up uh, homoerotic feelings that a lot of the men here seem to be dealing with. Uh, I guess I'm glad they have a safe space for that, but. Um, yeah, it's 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 really easy to see why this has a the previous incarnation of it had such a reputation for racism. Yeah, I mean, I think the bigger thing more than racism, I think with the previous one was bullying. Like you had yep. it, it was really popular in high schools and so which is a hyper local space and so people would say really terrible things about one another kind of with impunity and you know, that's a bad a bad thing. And, and it was the teachers and the, and the principals and, and districts that complained and then they acquiesced. Um, there were, there was like three of these at the time. There was Whisper, which may or may not still be around. There was um, Secret, which was my favorite, which was the one that raised all the money. And oh, that yeah. one used, I love Secret. Secret was so good. So Secret was really unique because it, it, it scanned your phone book and it would show you both things your friends were saying, but also friend of friends. So for someone like me who has a pretty extensive Rolodex, it was great because I got to see some amazing gossip and and people and it was secret. Like it was one of those things where you could sometimes you could kind of figure out who was saying what. But a lot of times, you know, it was just it was a really good way to gossip, um, especially amongst kind of like the Silicon Valley set, which was the people who founded it. And they raised all this money. And then people were like, oh, it's making people bully like freaking Sarah Lacey, who's the the worst person in the world anyway. She was all like, people are being mean about me on this. And this is an app that is the consuming bullying. I'm like, yeah, people are being mean about you about it because you suck. But like, <laughs> also you're an adult and and whatever. Um, and and then um, they, they had all kinds of like bad like press and whatnot. Eventually they wind up shutting it down, but they did an interesting thing. They gave the money that they, because they didn't spend most of the money that they raised. And so they wound up giving it back to the investors, even though like they didn't have oh. to. Wow, um, which was which was kind of interesting, but that one before it shut down and everybody because they started adding things to it to try to, to like 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 the second versions of Yik Yak and like it seems like this uh, zombie Yik Yak did like they would add different things to try to like make it, you know try to do something to get rid of some of the anonymity or or, or curb tail the bullying or whatever, which obviously makes it less fun. Now I'm not saying these apps are good. I'm just saying there's a reason that people use them. And, um, and so once that happened, at least with mine, and I don't know what everybody else is, but my version of secret just became a gay dating app, which was fascinating. (laughs) Like it literally just became a, like, kind of like a more anonymous grinder. And it was utterly fascinating to watch. So I'm looking forward to seeing this with zombie yik yak, to be honest. I mean, that's not this. I mean, here's, here's one right here. Uh, I, I mean, it's just, it's poop jokes. Right. It's, it's wish I could post my 
on here if I could say that. I, uh, oh, oh, now yeah. you can say. No, now you can say. Now you can say. Yeah, <laughs> I see how okay, it is, yeah. Rihanna. I'm reading. I'm reading. I'm trying to. Now, I'm trying listen, to be journalistically accurate here. I, I um, have. I, so my yik yaks. Right. I will say, I think these are quality posts. I'm yes. looking, of course, at. Yes. Uh, well, what? Let me tell you what's happening in Manhattan. Yik yak. Bullying people from New Jersey. <laughs> Join Love the it. effort. Proper. Report all yaks from New Jersey. <laughs> Yo, no joke. New Jersey, delete this app. Um, this, <laughs> I think it's really funny, actually. And also, uh, to all the cops checking fare on the bus today by cornering people, F you. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of delightful. But I, this aside from the, uh, the posts that are happening here, I kind of have... I guess broader social media thoughts about this, which is I know we 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 tend to do a little topic about new social media when it comes out, like uh, Peach, like Clubhouse, etc. I think this is right. the first time we've done one on a resurrected social media, if I'm not wrong. And I almost feel like just because so many new, so much new social media is kind of a flash in the pan and exciting for a week or a month and then it goes away. Um, Not everyone is TikTok, for example. I kind of feel like resurrecting something that even three years later has a little bit of nostalgia cachet is not a bad move. I think you need to wait longer or it has to be really good. Because, like, they've tried this before. Mm. And you're right. I think this is the first time we've talked about this. But, like, MySpace is obviously the most famous one, right? Remember when Justin Timberlake bought MySpace? Mm-hmm. And 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 then that was quickly sold off to some ad tech thing. And that was sold off to somebody else. And, and God only knows what's happened to all the email addresses people used for MySpace, right? Oh, goodness. Um, it, Fox spent $575 million on something that became, like, a, 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 at this point, a glorified, like, marketing list for your email address from 2004. Um, but it, it is interesting, right? Because I think you're right. There is like this weird nostalgia thing. But I wonder, because Yik Yak wasn't that big. So maybe there's like a certain generation of kids who were like in high school or college. And now they're like, you know, a little bit older and entering the real world. And they're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. That was so great. And they have some sort of nostalgia for it. But I don't know. I think it's hard. Like, I know that there was... um like the people that have been trying to bring Vine back under a different name. Oof. Um, and Vine, like, like, Vine is tricky though because I feel like there's an obvious replacement for that, which is yes. TikTok, TikTok, and then by extension, Reels and briefly Fleets, RIP. Um, but something like Yik Yak, the closest thing I can think of, besides like if, if Secret uh, and Whisper are still around. Is next door actually? Yeah, you're minus right. Minus the anonymity, um, which next door famously does not have. And also next door also has a pretty toxic reputation, although I do enjoy reading it. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say next door is basically like yik yak for adults. Yeah. Um like <laughs> that honestly for your racist neighbors. Yeah, well, so yeah, bad. I mean completely. Yeah. No, I mean you're you're right. But it is interesting because you have to look at like why these things failed. And and a lot of a lot of it, like like Whisper, I think is technically still around, but they've had to, you know, alter themselves a few times is because A, people don't trust that it's really anonymous. And B, when it is really anonymous, but it's hyper local for whatever reason, like people get real mad. Like they get real, real mad. Yes. And uh like like we, I think as the internet have kind of proven like we can't handle anonymity. anonymity. Right. Yeah. Like we can't. Like, like people still like like, you know, uh, Aikun and 4chan and, and, and those things, like, are still, like, people treat them like boogeymen. And it's like, yeah, you know, who it, it's, they, they, they were powerful and they can be at some points. I think their power is greatly diminished, QAnon stuff aside. Like, you know what I mean? But it's it's one of those things we, as a, as a culture, like, we really hate anonymity. But, uh, but I think it's interesting that it's back. Uh, some breaking, breaking news. Oh, yeah, tell me, tell right me. Here. Uh, sorority chicks built like Mack trucks always got the most annoying voices. Great social media. Interesting. <laughs> Very. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just crap. Oh. I don't. I don't mind. I don't mind anonymity. It's just I. I can't imagine. Like if I wanted to post, I would go to 4chan, right? I. Right. I just don't get it. I don't know. I kind of so. I I might be pro, I might be coming out of this pro yik yak because there is something 
charming to me about the hyper-local aspect of it um, that I I kind of feel it, it's an interesting and maybe underexploited sphere in social media because we so often have platforms where like Twitter, you can go viral all over the world and there are literally no barriers between your posts and everyone yelling at you. And then TikTok, <laughs> as we've discussed, is kind of it's it's, it's not really for following people you know. It's right. really about looking at strangers and being looked at by strangers. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that's both hyper-local and anonymous, there's something kind of interesting about that to me in a way that I, I'm trying to put a finger on. Um, but it, it feels like an interesting I, – I don't, I don't know that I'll be, like, using it every day. But since I am kind of leaning more towards private social media, so like you're Discord never gonna servers use and things – Hey, Simone, come on. These are funny posts here. No, I, I mean, honest with you, like this is, this is, and you're not wrong. Like, I think there is something actually really interesting about the, you know, like hyperlocal anonymity thing. I actually agree with you. I'm just being honest too. How much, how interesting the content is and how much it'll pull you back in. Like the New York content sounds a lot better than the Mississippi content. I'll give you that. <laughs> like, like I, I too would like to dunk on cops and New Jersey because absolutely. But like, I ask can... you, what am I going to do now that I've logged out of Twitter on my phone? Because I'm trying to use Twitter less. What do you think I'm going to be clicking on <laughs> to doom a scroll? And I, is I don't it know. better for me? Time will tell. Time will tell. I, I don't know. I have a feeling like there's only so much like people making fun of Jersey you're going to be able to see. I think it depends, right? I, 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 will, I will concede this. If somehow a huge number of people wind up turning out for this. And you can find good content. I could see this becoming like a good thing for you to consume. However, I am concerned, kind of like Peach. It's like this thing that people will like remember for a day. Yeah. And then like. Well, actually, you know, I think I think you're right. And this will be my my last thought on this, which is that people do tend to save their best content for when they can be attached to it and gain clout from it. And there's no clout to be gained from Yik Yak. However, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean there won't be in, in, similarly similarly woo to how you might see a comedian go to a late night club unannounced to test out their new material. That's right. what I think we'll find on Yik Yak. All right. Any final thoughts on this before we move on? Uh, I have more breaking news. Tell me. Yes. <laughs> Stephen DeMarco is fat. Okay. Stop. Get out Stephen of this Marco. Is, that's all this is. That's all it is. Is I Stephen took a poop here? Oh my god! Like this person is. I, it's it's terrible. Oh my god. Stephen Demarco is fat. Stephen Demarco, your friends are really funny, and I hope that they are high and or drunk. Honestly. <laughs> Listen, I'm shaking and crying, throwing up after realizing that people from New Jersey are on this with us. <laughs> See, that's good. It's really freaking good. Okay. Um, anyway, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by ExpressVPN. In the real world, if you're looking for privacy, you close a door. But online, we leave doors open everywhere we go. Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like never closing doors behind you. And then starting to change into your pajamas in front of your open webcam. Your internet service provider knows every single website that you visit. And if they want to, they can sell this information to ad companies and tech giants. ExpressVPN creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so that your online activity can't be seen by anyone. ExpressVPN works on everything, phones, laptops, even routers, so everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can still be protected even if they don't have ExpressVPN. And the best part is, using ExpressVPN is as easy as closing the door. You just fire up the app, click one button, and you're protected. And ExpressVPN is the world's number one rated VPN by CNET, Wired, The Verge, and countless others. That is such a good metaphor, closing the door. Uh, recently, I forgot to... This This has nothing to do with this. Um, <laughs> I, re- I had a close call, y'all. I was in a Zoom meeting, and the meeting was over, and my colleague left the meeting. And I forgot to leave the meeting. 
And I was in the middle of like changing out of one sweaty tank top into another sweaty tank top. And I looked at my computer. Oh, Oh, yeah, it happened to me. Luckily, there was no one there. But I, oh, my, it was so close. We, we, we nearly had the disaster. Um, Anyway, ExpressVPN won't save you from forgetting to log out of your freaking Zoom meeting. But in the metaphorical world where you you are on the internet and you are changing your shirt every time you log into a different website and you can keep yourself safe and turn off your metaphorical webcam and shut the metaphorical door by using ExpressVPN. Um, I've used it on my laptop. Uh, it's on my phone. It rules. Uh, if you can ever travel again, it'll also be good for that. Two, secure your online activity by visiting expressvpn.com slash rocket today. Go to expressvpn.com slash rocket and you can get an extra three months free. That's expressvpn.com slash rocket. Thank you so much for sponsoring this episode of Rocket and Relay FM. Whew. God, take some deep breaths. I really talked there. Well, well, well. So it has come to this. Google's new Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro will not ship with chargers. Womp, womp. Following trends. Start the terrible trend started by Apple, continued by Samsung. Uh, Google is joining, you know, the big three stick together. According to Google, they say most people already have a USB-C charging brick, which is what these phones use. So they are being this way, which means the big three are being this way. It opens a door for everyone else to be this way. What do we think? Does it save money? Does it save the earth? Is it annoying sound off christina please handle this for us yeah okay so this is i said this before when apple did this because i think it's bs um it's about being it's about greed and not green is what i keep saying all right i i will concede that yes most of us already have well not most of us i will say those of us on this podcast and tech enthusiasts and people who buy phones every year have a drawer full of usb like little brick charge power bricks right a I'm not so sure that most people have a bunch of USB-C ones. I think that's a little premature, Google. I, w- I would say that. Uh, certainly most Apple users don't. You have like the one for your laptop, maybe the one that came with your iPad, but since Apple still supports the lightning cable, like you have a ton of old ones too that have like the full size plug. B, this is what gets me. So finally, quick charging is a thing and you have like these faster chargers and they're higher capacity. And and also finally, GAN chargers, which is a it's a something something nitrate. It, it's basically a, a new technology so that you can fit more of this stuff into a smaller space. So like you could have a GAN charger that'll be up to like 100 watts, and it'll take up not much more space than like one of those little five watt bricks. And now that those are finally becoming inexpensive and accessible, rather than dropping one of those in the box, which would be good and would be long lasting and would mm. have like a lot of other use cases. Um, they're just being like, no, we, we're not going to do that. We're not going to include anything in the box that'll charge your phone faster than your existing, you know, brick from five years ago. And we're not going to give you one, um, you know, that, that you might need for your accessories. Like I'm going to blame, I'm going to really lean in on Apple here, even though Google and Samsung have followed them. Cause I, this is Apple's fault. If Apple didn't <laughs> yeah. do this, the other company, the, the other companies wouldn't bother. Apple did it. And they're like, oh, we can get away with this. Just like everything else. Like Apple, the they truly get, can get away with everything. You can. And here's the thing, Apple, you when by being the leader, everybody copies you. And that means that you get the applause when people follow you in good ways. And that means that we get to rag on you when they follow your stupid, like greedy moves. So like Apple, like the, the MagSafe battery pack that that's just came out, it doesn't come with the brick that's required if you want to actually charge it at its full speed or the cable. So you need to add like another hundred bucks to your battery charger thing if you want to actually charge it and use it unless you happen to have like that fast charger and that other thing with it. Same thing with the MagSafe thing. So to me, like, I don't know. I just personally think that it's pretty insulting to buy a $1,500 phone, which is what the next, you know, higher end pixels will be. And then not even get like a, a, a fast charger in the box. And then to be told insult injury, oh, well, you can buy one for $30. Like, 
screw yeah, off. Yeah, and it also, now that you've mentioned that, I realize it actually does open a door for people to buy chargers that are less efficient just because yes. they're, they're like, looking for that deal. They're and looking that's for a not cheap necessarily one, so they're buy bad one. the greatest no. move. No, it's not. So you wind up buying something that you, it's going to break down anyway. Like, okay, I sold my, and I felt bad about this, but th- this is where I was at. So I sold my good friend, Allison, who I love more than anything. She won't listen to this, so she won't know this. I sold her my, my iPhone 11 Pro. Um, and I got her a really, I gave her a really good deal on it, and that's why I felt okay about this. I did not include the 18-watt um, USB um, C to Lightning um, oh. charger in the box. Why? Because it's $30, and I don't have a bunch of these. And, like, mm-hmm. for me, I need actually that. need this. Right. So it's one of those things I'm like, you know, if, if I if, if she paid me more for it, I probably would have included it. You know, I would have, like, felt compelled to. But because she didn't, because I gave her a good deal, I was like, well, I'm taking this out. Right? But I never would have done that in the past, ever. I never even would have looked at it in the past. Because I would have been like, oh, well, I have another one in my box. Nope, sure don't. Because only reason I have this one is because I bought an iPhone 11 Pro. But if you buy an iPhone 12 or an iPhone 13 or whatever, and you're coming from like an iPhone 7 or an iPhone 8. You need you get that charger. Five, yeah, you get the 5 watt, the crappy one. Oh, which by the way, won't even work with the cable that comes in your phone for as long as those cables actually are included, which will probably, our, our, our days on those are probably limited too. And we all know how frequently those cables break. So I'm sorry. I just think this is cheap and dumb. And that's my right. No, hundred percent. It's worth adding. You know, Google has come out and said, this is going to be a very pricey phone. They have not mentioned the official price yet. I think it's very reasonable. To expect the top end models to be over $1,100, you know, and I just like, you could buy a MacBook for that much. I mean, can you right. imagine them not including a, a MacBook charger along with it? It's exactly what they're doing. Yeah. My one really good charger from back when they included the chargers here. Uh, It's sacred. I keep it in my kitchen for when I cook because it's the fastest, most consistent charger that I own, even above my anchors. So, you know, this is, I'm 100% with you, Christina. It's, It's not about the environment. It is so beyond cynical uh, for them to couch it in this way. It's about their profit. And it's about, uh, it's about barely increasing their profit margins at the cost of, you know, basically forcing consumers to go out and then buy a $30 gadget to, to make it work. So I just, I think it's disgusting. And I totally agree. Apple takes some of the blame for this. This episode of Rocket, Rocket, <laughs> Rocket, Rocket. Who am I? Rocket. Mm-hmm. It's brought to you by Make Do from Relay FM. If you like our show, there's a good chance you'll like this show. It is about having hobbies, maybe monetizing your hobbies if you want to, but you don't have to. It's just about working your hobbies into your life. Uh, it's hosted by Tiff Arment, who is a glass artist, painter, and photographer with a not-so-secret past in Broadway costuming, and Julia Scott, a journalist, potter, and self-proclaimed textile goblin. Uh, they have episodes such as The Myth of the Tragic Artist and Don't Tell Me How to Start a Hobby. But I hope that they do tell you how to start a hobby also, because there's a pottery shop up the street from me, and I want to walk right in there and maybe start my own journey. Uh, Listen, as you hobby, go to relay.fm slash make do or search for make do wherever you get your podcast. Thank you, pals. See you at the podcast-a-thon. Before we go to our next topic, I have a new update from New York City Yik Yak. Okay. People who get offended when I breastfeed in public can F off. It's perfectly natural and strengthens the relationship between me and my dog. (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this 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 is this is a good way for people to test tweets before they send them. I I will I will give you that. It is. When y'all, when we see that tweet. It's it's fire. Just retweet. But then we can dox this poor person. Anyway, new topic. This is a topic called Intel is trying. Just when you thought the chip shortage had enough 
players in the game, Intel is working on a new line of GPUs branded as Intel Arc that will include multiple generations of hardware as well as the associated software. And these are gaming-specific GPUs. According to The Verge, they are meant to be capable of Quote unquote, mesh shading, variable rate shading, video upscaling, and real time ray tracing, as well as AI accelerated super sampling, which puts it in direct competition with NVIDIA and their deep learning super sampling. Uh, future Arc GPU generations are codenamed Super Cool codenames Battle Mage, Celestial, and Druid. They're really targeting me, a gamer. And the first ones are scheduled to release in 2022, which is not very far away. Ah! That's horrifying. Yeah, it is very horrifying. Previously, Intel has starred on our show as being a loser of 2020, I believe. Yeah. But what do do we think about this? Is this this a new return? Yeah, I think this could be. I think that they're in a... It's so funny to me that they're now in this position where... So before AMD bought ATI... Um, you know, like ATI, it was it was ATI and NVIDIA were the two big um, uh, graphics card makers. And just kind of like NVIDIA and AMD or Intel and, and AMD were the big like chip makers. And so you had like the, the green versus uh, red war. And now you had um, and, and then like ATI uh, was bought by AMD. And and, um, you know, that kind of gave them this opportunity to kind of be this juggernaut in a sense. And it's it's Poor AMD. AMD will always be number two. Like Aww. they're kicking. Well, no, I mean they're I mean, just just in in rankings. Like they're kicking in um, chips right now. Like they're they're totally slaughtering Intel. But Intel has way more market share, and and their graphics chips are good, but they're not Nvidia. So I feel like this is interesting because in some ways, it, you know, the story of the last couple of years has been that Intel has been playing catch up to AMD on desktop processors. And now it does kind of feel like they're having to play catch up to both AMD and NVIDIA in GPUs. And uh, mm-hmm. they might have a shot, though. I don't know. I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what it'll be like. I'm also curious. They're using apparently a 7 nanometer process, which is obviously um, better than what they've been able to do for their desktop chips um, in the production. I don't know who's producing them, if they're using in their own fabs or if they're going to be using... Uh, TSMC or, or, or some other um, um, fabs. Hey, um, but but I think that'll be that'll likely determine like how many chips they have and how accurately they can compete. But I mean, I'm I'm excited to see them try. Like, I don't think it's a bad thing. Christina, have you uh, had experience with Nvidia's AI super sampling at all? Yes, it's real good. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. No, it's it's excellent. I mean, it's it's industry defining. It's it's fantastic. Um, you know, I I think it's it's worth noting. You know, every time Intel has tried to get into the GPU game, um, you know, they it hasn't turned out well. Uh, you know, obviously their integrated stuff is never going to be as powerful as a discrete GPU, but I mean, they have a long road ahead of them. Um, so I I agree with you, Christy. It's not necessarily a bad thing to see them getting involved. I suspect that this is going to be more mid-priced options for, you know, for for ordinary consumers instead of really high-end stuff, which might be great. I mean, because that could free up, you know, NVIDIA stuff for gamers. Yeah. And and, and also, I mean, if you like look at the Steam rankings, like the number one most popular graphics card on Steam is like a, is like a 1030 or something like that. Wow. And, and so, which is, you know, not, it's fine for 1080p, you know, at a certain frame rate, but it's not going to be anything that's spectacular. So if you could get something that's better than that and and actually make it available, I think that we as, uh, you know, uh, rich people, Brie, like who have <laughs> access to, to like expensive graphics cards and stuff, we sometimes like, I know I do, like we like mm-hmm. underestimate the reality of like what a lot of other people's gaming situation is. So I think that even for people who like to game, this could have, you know, some potential um, assuming they can get the chips out and assuming they're good. I will say like the most recent Z um, uh, integrated graphics have have been good and are better than the equivalent like AMD or NVIDIA offerings. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm open to it. I will say, you know, I, I don't like to see any company fail. And obviously we don't know like how this is necessarily going to perform yet and play with other other hardware. But it is a pretty exciting and well-styled 
product launch, I think. So I, I, I'm pretty excited to see how this will go over, even though, of course, I, a Mac owner and a console gamer, will not be buying it. <laughs> womp, womp. Um, but I don't think there's I don't think there's any downside to continued competition in the in the GPU space, especially just when it comes to increasing increasing the 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 abilities of this like machine learning super sampling um and all of this technology like it's just going to continue to make games look better and play better um maybe the impact is on the earth but <laughs> yeah i'm not going to blame intel for that <laughs> i i do think there is a little bit of a downside if you know intel comes in and does it does it you know wrong I mean, look mm. at how they've deprecated SLI. You know, my dream, Christina, is to get a second 3090 card and run it in SLI. And there's just no point to it because uh, you know, NVIDIA has deprecated, uh, you know, that and games aren't using it nowadays, right? There's just no point to right, it. Right, there's no point. Uh, you know, with the super sampling stuff NVIDIA does, um, you know, every single time you add... A feature like that, a developer has to actually go out and support it with the with the their game, and you know hopefully they they would get enough of a market share to you know reward uh, make it worth uh, a developer's time to go through and enable all these different graphical settings. But if they're developing parallel technologies, there's absolutely a cost to that. You know this these costs get added all the time, right? It's routine, but you know it's not a zero sum game. I mean. Mm-hmm. Ideally, you would have them coming together as a technology consortium and agreeing upon standards. So I think it will you know, depend on how good a, a citizen, you know, Intel is if they really get this off the ground. Yeah. An interesting thing here, and, and I'm, I'm curious about how this will uh, turn out. Intel has actually historically been pretty good when it comes to supporting like Linux drivers and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and the like AMD is pretty good on, on the GPU side. NVIDIA, not so much. I mean, they'll release them, but they don't like to to do like their own kind of open source thing. They like to write their own drivers rather than letting the kernel handle it. Intel um, stuff as a consequence has pretty good like uh, uh, kernel support. And so this is something that um, I think about like for people who either want to game on Linux, which is good for things like Proton and Steam, but um, which, which the Steam Deck will be using, but also for people who might be doing, you know, AI or, or machine learning stuff, this is potentially good for those users potentially. So, I mean, that's something interesting to think about too. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by privacy.com. I am constantly worrying about my financial privacy online. I'm I'm using PayPal, I'm using online stores. Every I think every day there's some kind of new clothing brand that people are talking about that has an online store and it's like is this real? Hmm, we don't know. Privacy is a tool that makes it easy to manage your financial lives online while keeping your most important information secure. By generating virtual numbers, privacy masks your bank information so that you don't have to worry about giving it out to people that you don't know online. Uh, So this is, it basically generates a fake card number for you and then you can use that card number wherever the heck you want. So, for example, in your rent portal that your landlord didn't tell you about for so long and then mm-hmm. you found out it existed and you were like, what? What's this? Or um, you can even, like, set spend limits. Like, for example, REI, uh, they're going to have their Labor Day sales soon. I shouldn't even be telling you about this because I don't want the competition. But... <laughs> If I wanted to, and I should do this, I could make a card that was like for REI and had Mm -hmm. a spend limit so that I can like gamify my Labor Day sale shopping so that I can get the new long underwear without exactly tricking myself. So you can get all the the ski stuff that you need. All the ski stuff that I need without like accidentally buying ski stuff that I don't need. That's what privacy is for. That's why it's important. Take back control of your payments. Decide who can charge your card, how much, and how often. And you can close cards at any time. Oh, I just thought of another thing um, that this is useful for. Shoot, what was that service I just signed up for? Freaking no. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> but that's another thing. <laughs> when you sign up. Oh, freaking Verve. Ah, oh, God. <laughs> 
<laughs> I signed up for an anime streaming service. I need so that's I need I, I, I need to make a privacy card for this because I do not I want them to not charge me because I'm using that free trial and I don't want that. I don't want to pay for that stuff. Not that anime isn't worth paying for. It is. Just not when you're just trying to finish one show and then get off the service. Plus, you can make sure that you're never accidentally billed twice or upgraded to another service without your consent. And privacy is partnered with the good folks at 1Password. You can create, use, and save privacy cards directly within your 1Password dashboard. All virtual cards created in 1Password will have the same security benefits as your other privacy cards. And you can set spend limits, create single-use or merchant-locked cards whenever you want, which is exactly what I was talking about with REI, head to privacy.com slash rocket and sign up for an account. New customers will automatically get $5 to spend on your first purchase. So go to privacy.com slash rocket and sign up now. Our thanks to Privacy for their support of this show and Relay FM. Our dessert today is an excellent story from the Wall Street (laughs) Journal. This is fantastic. Uh, Written by Rachel Feinzig. It is the story of people who are working two jobs. Mostly it's about people who've started doing this during the pandemic, but some of the people that she talks to in the article have been doing this for years. So I, I will read actually the lead to this because it is excellent. It is choice. It is a mood setter. Quote, unquote, alone in their home offices, they toggle between two laptops. They play Tetris with their calendars, trying to dodge endless meetings. Sometimes they log on to two meetings at once. They use paid time off, in some cases unlimited, to juggle the occasional big project or ramp up at a new gig. Many say they don't work more than 40 hours a week for both jobs combined. They don't apologize for taking advantage of a system they feel has taken advantage of them. So this uh, trend has sort of become more prevalent during the pandemic, A, because everyone is, or not everyone, many people who are office workers, white collar workers, and tech workers especially have been working from home. And a site called Overemployed was launched earlier this year by two tech workers who ended up doing this. Um, And on that site, they offer tips for how to pull off the scam of having two jobs at once, uh, including things like how to juggle uh, meetings, how to how to say no to things that you don't want to mm-hmm. do so that you don't get pulled into two meetings at once. But if you do get pulled into two meetings at once, which sounds like my nightmare, how to kind of finesse your way through it, uh, how to keep your LinkedIn profile free from, you know, dead giveaways that you're working two jobs and how to set low expectations with bosses. According um, to the article, most of the employees the Wall Street Journal spoke to say they are on track to earn a total of $200,000 to nearly $600,000 a year, including bonuses (laughs) and stock, which made me wish that I had time to do this. (laughs) Mm Wow. Wow. I, yeah. I mean, I want to call this scam town, but it's not scam town. It's just like I admire you. <laughs> like, it's capitalism yeah, town. Um, I, yeah, like I got, I got some blowback for saying that because some people, and and I have to admit, like if you were somebody who had to work with these people, and and if these were like some of your coworkers, like I totally agree that this would be really crappy if you were in a situation where somebody who is, you know, who, who's one of your coworkers working on a project with you is actually juggling a second job, and so they're only like half in it at best and they're they're employing these you know techniques to to get away with doing two jobs and i agree that's pretty crappy but i also have to say yeah i part of me can't hate the hustle i'm kind of like damn like i really I, can't hate the hustle like, like and it kind of varies because like some of these people are saying i actually barely work even at both of these jobs it's fine right and then some people are working 100 hours a week and i feel right. like depending on what your job is is like we all kind of know that eight hour work day is depending on your job you're not literally sitting there working no. full steam for eight hours like you need variety and there are 100%. moments where that 
you know, you do a little more. There are moments when you do less. And that is within, I think, the expectations of your deliverables, depending on your job. Not at my job. I don't have time to have two jobs. But no, I, I think was, that- No, I was, I was going to say, yeah, journalism, video editing, things that have, like, very, like, time-oriented deadlines, yeah. you don't you're not able to do this. I think the reason why most of the people they interviewed are tech workers, it made complete sense to me working yes. at a tech company. I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, totally. Because there are sometimes you have really hard deadlines and things are really close to a sprint and you really have to get it done. But there's a lot of times when, when I first started working in tech, what freaked me out was how slow everything was. And this mm. is what I always tell people who like move from one is- industry to another. I'm like, what's going to freak you out, especially if you worked in journalism, I'm like, it's how slow it moves. It's, mm-hmm. You're going to feel like you're not doing enough. You're going to feel like, you know, there isn't enough going on. You're fine. Calm down. People will tell you if you need to do more. And and what I realized was is that, like, I I would finish – I'd be done with all my work at 11 a.m. And I'd be, like, browsing Jezebel. Yeah. And, like, doing nothing. <laughs> like, twiddling my thumbs. And I'm like, what am I doing? You know? And so you start looking to find other stuff to do. What you also learn is in most cases, doing more and taking more on your plate – isn't necessarily going to pay off for you. You're not yeah. really going to get a bigger bonus. You're probably not going to get promoted unless people can see the value in it. Like, there's not a lot of, of in it for you to do that. Um, people also, like, I was like, oh, there are so many meetings. And if you could find a way to get out of the meetings and just do the other stuff or be in the meeting but not really be listening, be doing other things, which I will admit I do all the time. I turn video off and I am working on something else and I'm listening for my name because nine, 99 times out of 100, I don't actually need to be in that meeting. Sometimes if I know the people well enough, I will just say at the beginning, you know what? I don't think I'm needed for this. I'm going to, you know, reclaim some time, peace. Sometimes though, like (laughs) you got to be there, but you can't do that in person. Like in person, you have to like pretend like you're paying attention. Well, even though you're like doodling. That's why I think buried in this are actually some, is some good advice for setting boundaries at work. Because like you said, I agree. There so often you don't necessarily need to be in a meeting or a meeting could just be a conversation between two people over Slack. And like, mm-hmm. I, I'm definitely a fan of talking things out. I, I think better when I'm talking versus doing things over Slack. But I think for a lot of people who do sort of have an excess of useless meetings on their calendars, this website, like teaching you ways to say, hey, actually, let's resolve this quickly over slack so that we can both get back to work like that's that's just kind of good advice for any job even if you're not working two jobs at once no i agree um and i'm also saying like it it was interesting reading this because i was like first of all i would never be able to get away with this because i'm too public and so there's no way i could do it oh yeah but i am allowed in my contract and i did this last year for instance where i did the the thing with um um uh, new york times's um tea brand um where i did um a podcast with them and, like, that was completely allowed. And, like, I do Rocket and I do some other stuff. And so I can find ways, like, in my day to schedule things. And there were times, like, I did I, – I didn't – you know, it wasn't one of those things where I, like, canceled, like, my day job to do a thing with the New York Times. That wasn't the case. But I put something on my calendar. I put a block. I'd make the work up other ways. But it wasn't a problem, right? Like, it yeah. was completely fine to do. And that's completely allowed within my contract. My moonlighting agreement lets me do that um, without – you know, any any problem at all. And and other people, some people, like our policy is is pretty broad and they let us do a lot of things. Um that the main thing is I'm not allowed to at least like directly, and even there there's some wiggle room. Like I'm not allowed to like directly like have another job where I'm doing exactly what I'm paid to do at Microsoft. Mm-hmm. So um I probably technically could have another sort of Programming job, there's probably something in the contract that's like you can't work at like Google and Microsoft at the same time. Like I'm sure that there's something there. Yeah. But um, and and it seems like the stock thing was interesting to me because I'm like, oh, well, are these people like full time? Because if you took on contracts, like you worked for a vendor company and you took on simultaneous contracts, like that would be really easy to cover up. But if you're getting like stock and stuff, I'm like, damn, like that's a lot of work and a lot of hassle. But also okay, if you can do it. But like, I, I couldn't get away with it, but it was interesting to me to just think about like, yeah, you know, I have juggled, you know, multiple projects at once. I have, what was funny is that there was like somebody they talked to who was like, yeah, I've become really good at listening to two things at once. <laughs> I have actually in the past been scheduled for two meetings at once where I wasn't able to not show up at either of them. And I've, I've had that scenario where I have, you know, like, I'm not even joking where I have like 
one head one one headphone on one ear and then I've got it like playing out of like my laptop or my phone on the other and I'm like listening to both like meetings wow. at the same time like one is on my phone one's on my laptop and it's not a great situation but I've done it right you're on mute the whole time and then you like unmute yourself to like talk on one of they ask you to it's not great it requires a lot of concentration but I've done it but it was funny because I was reading that and I was like Yep, I know that sort of nightmare. Like in my case, it was for my day job. It was like two Microsoft meetings, but it, that would be wow. completely like if, if I were if I were trying to like have the ruse of getting two W2s at once, I'd be like, what am I gonna do? I feel like my perspective on this may be a little bit different because I generally speaking am leading the teams of mm-hmm. you know projects that I'm working right. on. And, you know, I've certainly had those employees that show up and have stuff. And, you know, just really be frank, I fire them. You know, it's, it's, uh, this is, it's so common that you get someone on a team that, that frankly, isn't hardworking. Like I have a standard hiring thing where I bring someone in. I never hire someone, no matter how good the reference is, right away. I give them a paid test project. And if they work out and work hard, we bring them on. If they don't, I, I, I don't renew. And, you know, I think that just given the commonality that I've seen with that, uh, you know, it doesn't surprise me that larger corporations like have that enough slack built into the workforce. But for me, where I have, you know, small teams, uh, I would kill someone on my team if I found out they were doing this. I I admire the hustle, but I I think your point is really well said, Christina, that this could really be hurting your teammate. It could also, I realize like people don't love managers or project leaders. It is a hard, thankless job. It really is because every single problem is your problem. You've got to make sure you ship no matter what. It's your responsibility to hit the deadline. You can be fired if you don't. And, you know, it's it's there's a cost to other people here. Uh, what I thought was very true in the article, though, was talking about how the system is taking advantage of us. Yes. And, you know, we're making less and less money. Uh, you know, it's expecting us to work all hours of the day. I don't provide jobs like that, but I do realize that exists. Um, so I think that's fair. I just, um, I, I would urge people to have a little bit of conscience about what they're doing to their coworkers, basically. There are also situations where like I have a, a I know someone, for example, whose boss opposite of you, Brie, is really mm-hmm. bad at delegating tasks. And this mm-hmm. person f- will find themselves with nothing to do on a on a weekday and they have like sort of a monthly project that's happening that they need to deliver but they can't do more than that month's work in a month right. because of the budget so they find themselves with just hours of free time um so definitely i think in all of our industries or in all of our particular jobs this is not at all feasible without making a lot of people really really angry <laughs> But there are definitely jobs where the manager is oh, yeah. not Brie, a person with your high expectations, but it's just kind of being a little lackadaisical about their assignments. Mm-hmm. I would say, too, I think that really what this article and, and the whole like um, over-employed um, like website is, it's an indictment, I think, of like current corporate America, corp- kind of corporate management structure in that, you know, if you – because basically what it reinforces is that there's no reason to try. There's no reason to go mm. above and beyond mm, because yeah. you're not going to be um, like you're not going to be rewarded. And and the truth is you're not. That's like a really that good is absolutely point. fact. You are not going to be rewarded for it. Like I I this is the point, modern like, day office space. Kind of, kind of. I mean, but but the reality is like for most people who like work like nine to five jobs, like you are not going to be rewarded for going above and beyond. You would have to do so much more. And get so lucky and have somebody who's a manager, a CVP, or whoever see it and like your thing, that might get you noticed and get you promoted. But simply doing more than just the bare minimum, in most cases, does not pay off. So mm-hmm. why put in more effort? It doesn't. It doesn't pay off. So no, why put no, in more I, effort? I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you because I, I think that it's true. But I think, I think all three of us sitting here would not be where we were in our careers if we weren't really driven to bring our best and I'm trying to I'm trying to like mentally put that together right like where's 
where's the line between a corporation taking advantage of you and the fact that if you're going to succeed, to a certain extent, you need to be a self-starter. You need to be willing to hustle. You know, you kind of need to set your own career goals to a certain extent. Yeah. I mean, it's, Which, it's a hard you're not line. Wrong. Right. You're not wrong. Although I think that I, I would make the argument that if you're working two jobs and making that work, that like you are being a self-starter. You are like being oh, 100%. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think those yeah. people actually are figuring out how to hack the system. But I think that there are so many people and, and it's not always people we work with, but there are so many people who work out there who like they do the grind and they get paid and they don't go, they don't do any more or any less, which is fine. I've had to kind of tell myself, and it was funny because it took me going to Microsoft to really reinforce this. So I was like, I am never ever going to give any company that is not mine like my entire life ever again. Cause like I mm. gave Mashable everything and I didn't get it back. I didn't get, I didn't get anything back, honestly. I wound up losing like. $20,000. So it was yeah. how that turned out. Um, uh, you know, you, you know, I helped build something, gave it my name, gave it like a lot of my, my blood, sweat and tears. And like, sometimes things work out, sometimes they don't. And I'm not even mad so much about the money. It was good for my taxes that year, but like, it is what it is. But I, but I learned, I was like, it'll never, I, I'm never going to like forego going on a honeymoon or forego vacation or forego any other things for this other person's business. I'm just not going to do it. And so I, I give my job a hundred percent. I probably give it a little more than a hundred percent. I will never give it 150% ever. Why? A, that's not going to get me promoted unless I get really lucky. B, like it just, you know what I mean? Like, so I feel like I, I you're right, Brie. And like, sometimes I'm, I'm a, you know, I, I admit that I'm like a complete hypocrite and that I tell people like not to like kill themselves for their job. And like, I'm bad at vacation, but I also feel like it's worth saying most places you work, like corporation doesn't love you back. Like, they don't. I, they don't. I, th- I think it's, it's, I, I absolutely 100% agree with you uh, about giving, you know, more than 100% to your job. I do also feel like all three of us are in a difficult position to endorse that because we are all people who have given more than 100% and are now successful. And like Mashable did not deserve your, overwork yeah. in any sense but it probably was in some way uh, a stepping stone to where you are now well it is here's where i would argue that you're not wrong it was absolutely a stepping stone my argument would be i don't think that my career would be any different if i had worked less gotcha yeah that makes that, that totally that's what, makes that's, sense. that's what yeah. i'm trying to say it's, yeah. it, it, i'm not i'm not saying that i i i i'm not i am where i am i'm not saying i didn't get anything from Ashwell because obviously i did i'm saying i didn't have to go you know, 19 months without a vacation. I didn't have to do those things because you are correct. <laughs> like that, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah, I, I could, yeah. I could have done enough and I still would have wound up here. I think that maybe the line and tell me if I'm wrong is all three of us, like Simone, the passion you put into your videos. I mean, even back when you were doing, you know, the smaller stuff in Seattle, right? Like there was so much love and care that went into your videos and personality just leaped from the screen watching it. And I mean, that is, it's just a magic that's within you. You take that work really damn seriously. Christina, you're a 10 out of 10 reporter. I just, just hands down. And you have a passion and an analysis for this stuff that, that comes from you reading stuff 24 seven. Uh, I'm reasonably politically savvy and I'm pretty good at figuring out where the puck is going to be with mm-hmm. things and getting involved with it. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of passion and expertise and thoughtfulness that we put into our careers. I think, the difference is like once you reach a certain point, like I'm taking this week for a road trip, right? And I feel yeah. no guilt about it whatsoever, you know, because you do have to balance that stuff. So I think, I, I think there's, I, I think there's a, uh, if you want to be successful, you've got to bring some real passion, but you can't, uh, like you said, Christina, don't expect the company to love you back because it's not going to. Yeah. I need to timestamp every time you say a really, really nice thing about me so that I can find it and listen to it when I'm sad. (laughs) All right. Uh, That was a great discussion, actually. Uh, Check out this article. It's in the show notes. And hey, let's talk about what we're doing this week. Brianna, why don't you start? 
I am traveling across the entire country in my gorgeous uh, Porsche 911. This is the 997.1 generation that was uh, made between 2005 to 2009. It is the uh, successor to the uh, runny egg headlight 911 that everyone oh. hates, <laughs> which I don't think is a fair uh, a fair opinion. But it's a great road trip car. Uh, I'm just having a blast with Frank. I'm meeting up with a bunch of old friends. I haven't seen him forever. Um, And I'm probably going to see our illustrious leader, Stephen Hackett, (gasps) on the way back up. And uh, I may uh, record a little something for the pod with him. Uh, I think he can drive a stick, uh, him uh, driving an absurdly powerful Porsche. Now, remind me, is this the most recent Porsche you bought? Or is this the? Oh, okay. So this is the one that is your naughty purchase. Well, so this is one, I got it under market value. And uh, the reason it went under market is because it was being sold in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and it has a, a problem with it called the IMS bearing, which can cause the engine to suddenly explode <laughs> out of nowhere. Uh, so I'm going to fix that and update the electronics and uh, clean up the interior a bit. Just give a, you know, it's a 14-year-old car. So I'm going to polish it up, give it some love in my garage, and then I'm going to sell it for like a $10,000 profit. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And that's why we approve this purchase. This one, this time. This time. Christina, what are you up to this week? Yeah. So I am still um, uh, just, uh, we're trying to figure out like what we're going to call this week on Channel 9 because that is uh, uh, not, like the name has to change for for reasons um, we're working on kind of a rebrand of that. So that's coming and, uh, that's kind of it. I, I, uh, I'm like, it's the dog days of summer here. Stuff is slow. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's still on vacation because school doesn't start until, um, September, um, on the West coast. I finally have news about what I'm Ooh. doing. I'm playing a Yay. clicker game. <laughs> no, I, I, I do game. have a video coming out this week, but whatever. I'll talk about it next week. We already talked about it. I'm censoring um, yes! I just started playing freaking Kittens Game, which is not even a new clicker game, I'm pretty sure. It's just that everyone involved in baseball has started playing this clicker game where you start out with as a kitten in a catnip forest and you need catnip to feed your kittens. And then you gradually, as with clicker games, start like growing industry. Um, I think I'm in year 20 or something. I've got several barns. I've got huts where my cats live. I've got catnip fields. I've got pastures. I'm learning science from my library and I'm about to start mining. Um, I the, the last thing I did before I sat down to record this podcast was check on my freaking kittens. Um, and I was upset by the level of my food production and I need to do better. Um, so that's it really got me. It got me so good. I can't stop thinking about it. What is what is the <laughs> gameplay like? It it well because I mean, it's, it's a clicker game. Clicking, I assume it is I very. It's clicking. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> There's a, a a timer running. So every every season is a hundred days. So there's a constant timer running that tells you like you're in spring, you're in summer, you're in fall, you're in winter, and you're kittens um you you have to start out like clicking to produce catnip but eventually when you get the fields your kittens can be farmers and they'll make catnip themselves so it's a balance of like setting assigning jobs to your kittens so that you can be producing enough catnip so that they will survive uh because in so winter you're you have a kitten sweatshop basically yeah that's what it sounds like to me you're running a kitten sweatshop i i lost four four kittens starved to death during my first and second winters but since then have I lost a single kitten? No, I have not. I am I am feeding them. They are 86% happy. <laughs> and this is what my life is now. So nice to see you all. I feel all. like you could use a second job. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. So so I, I like um I like like I guess what you call it like a pet games and that sort of thing. So I might have to play this. Let me stress. I cannot stress enough. There are no graphics. It is a text only clicker game. Guess it has kittens. 
You don't get no, to I mean, see I, them. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. I'm just saying like that might be something because because I like, you know, like like the Tamagotchi style stuff. So oh, yeah, something yeah. I could just have like open in my terminal, I'm assuming. I could just have it in a small oh, window. 100%. It's 100% an idle game. Um, it is kittensgame.com. So, hey, check it out and don't tell them I sent you and don't blame your boss for what I'm about to do to you. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, don't 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 take on a second job playing playing kittensgame.com. Or do. I don't or know. Or do, but just just you know, we're not your boss. We're uh but uh <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rocket. Uh you can find me online at Doom Quasar on Twitter and Instagram and at youtube.com slash polygon, where I will have a new video up on Thursday. Christina, what about you? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Instagram and the Twitter. Please follow me on Instagram. That's what we're trying to like get up. Um, I'm not posting any content there, which is my own fault. But if I start getting more followers, I, I maybe will start doing stories or something. I don't know. Um, and uh, you can find the videos I do at work at youtube.com slash Microsoft developer. And Brianna, what about you? I'm Brianna Wu on the Twitter machine and the anonymous comment on Yik Yak. That's me. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> All Every of them single are brave. one of them. Yes. Wow. I love your work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you like this show, please consider reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That's an awesome way to help other people find the show and uh, thereby find Kitten's Game, the dark souls of incremental gaming and ruin their lives. Um, but mostly it's important for helping them find us. And we really appreciate everyone who does leave a review. Y'all are cool. Thank you for I've listening. I've started reading our reviews, by the way. There are some good ones there. I should, like, read them every week. Like, Ooh, we should do a segment that. Of that would be a really good segment, actually. Okay, right. let's revisit that next week. Hey, but meanwhile, this episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 <laughs>